Hey everybody, happy Tuesday, May 4th, 2021. Thank you for listening to Well Disguised. I haven't actually recorded the meat of the episode yet, but I think this is going to probably be a little bit shorter than normal, and there's a few reasons for that. I don't want to bore you with the details, but one, I'm just a little tired from my personal life and my work life, and busy too. I have some other things that I'm working on as well, and hopefully those will pan out and you'll hear about those in the near future, but in any event... That's one reason it's going to be a little bit of a shorter episode today. If there's anything you want to hear, if there's something you want to hear me talk about, let me know. Twitter, email, got the website and all that. If you want a guest on the show, if you want to come on and talk about something, let me know that too. Not promising anything, but maybe something could be worked out. The second reason this could be a little bit shorter than usual is there's just some back-end stuff that I feel like I want to work on. I may be changing my podcast provider I may also do some stuff on the website. I'm not real happy with it. It's just thrown up to have something there, but it, I don't really think it does anything or has a consistent look. So I may want to do some of that. And hey, that takes time too. The third reason is, as you may have seen, uh, if you want to catch more of me, you can listen to the latest episode of the podcast Playlist Wars. Brian and Gomez were kind enough to invite me on to talk about the Rolling Stones and to give my top 10 Rolling Stone songs or a 10-song playlist that would hopefully draw someone into the Stones who hadn't listened to them before. Playlist Wars is a fun podcast hosted by good dudes. Please download that, listen to them. I also recorded in a little bit of a wordplay illusion type thing a bonus episode called Aftermath where I just make one point about the songs that we picked and basically it's that We picked all these songs, but look at all the Stone songs we didn't pick that didn't make any of our list, and it's better than pretty much anybody else's catalog, really. So you can check that out, too. That's a little extra six or seven minutes of Well Disguised. All right, on with the show. The explicit language button has been clicked. Fair warning there. I will not use profane language as verbs or adjectives, but when I'm quoting lyrics or song titles... Sometimes I'm just going to have to do it. I'll try to keep that to a minimum. But man, on this record, I don't really have much of a choice. It's actually a pretty big story of the album. I'm going to be talking today about an album that, frankly, a lot of my American audience may have never heard before. Today on Well Disguised, I want to chat about Earth vs. the Wild Hearts, the 1993 debut of the band The Wild Hearts. This is Well Disguised. Versus the Wild Hearts was one of the early forerunners of what would become known as Brit Rock or Brit Pop even. Now, from the outset, I am not an expert in these two terms or even really the style of music. 
Brit rock and Brit pop. They seem to be used interchangeably a lot by the journalists and writers who have talked about them so much, and maybe some of the bands too. And frankly, if you Google the term Brit rock, you're probably just as likely to come up with the British invasion type stuff, the Beatles, the Who, that sort of thing, from the 1960s, as you are articles that talk about what happened in the 1990s. But generally, what is Brit rock? slash Britpop, whatever. Essentially, it was British music that succeeded the grunge movement from the early 1990s. The two biggest bands that came out of that genre of music are probably Oasis and Blur. Blur survived longer than Oasis, and there's a great rivalry between those two bands, really, especially amongst their fans, but also going back to them carping at each other in the media. But there was really a thought in a lot of corners that this new wave of British rock and roll, British music, was going to take over the world. It was going to take over the charts in the same way that the real British invasion from the 1960s did. For whatever reason, though, it just didn't happen. It's probably not fair to say that it was over before it began, but it's not too much of an exaggeration. Maybe people in the 1990s just got tired of all that earnestness and sincerity and By the mid to late 90s, people were ready to move on for a little more escapism, and America gave the world Hanson, and then the real British success, the real Britpop, was the Spice Girls. But I digress. Really, the forerunners of this type of music, in my opinion, are the Wild Hearts. The Wild Hearts have been called a British dream band. They were really catchy at writing pop rock songs. They were earnest in a way. They were completely unhinged in terms of their drinking and drugging. And frankly, their debut record, Earth vs. the Wild Hearts, is one of the best debut albums of all time. The record was released on August 31st, 1993, and it's famous really for two things. One, again, it's their debut. It's the beginning of the whole Brit Rock thing. But secondly, it's also famous because Mick Ronson, the legend, one of the Spiders from Mars plays a guitar solo on one of the tracks. We'll definitely talk about that, but this was the last time Ronson would be in a studio and appear on a record before he succumbed shortly thereafter from liver cancer. So, Earth vs. the Wild Hearts isn't only a great record, but it's also sort of historically important too. Now, what this show is not going to be is a history of the Wild Hearts. Let me sum it up the too-long-didn't-read version. The Wild Hearts are a four-piece band that have had a lot of drama over the years. The drummer on this record was replaced shortly after it was recorded. One of the band members has lost a limb, one of his legs, due to years of abuse to his body. But anyway, the very, very short version, Ginger Wildheart, the namesake of the band, he writes almost all the songs. He plays guitar. He sings the lead vocals. Ginger came to the band actually from being fired from... British hair almost rans the choir boys. So there's no question he's the star. All right, about the profanity. If you're like me, you sometimes probably like that your little bands that are little to you or seem small and not well known to everybody else to stay that way, to be your little thing. And also sometimes, conversely, you want your little bands to blow up and take over the world and be huge. And well, one of my bands that I love and always kind of wanted to be huge is Monster Magnet. You've probably heard of Monster Magnet. I've talked about Monster Magnet before. In 1997 or 1998, Monster Magnet taking over the world, becoming a huge thing. 
Maybe it wasn't probable, but it at least seemed possible. I know that's not the case now, but a couple years ago when they released their newest album called Mind Effer, and wasn't Mind Effer, well, at that point I knew that Monster Magnet was kind of throwing in the towel, and there wasn't much hope that this was going to take over the mainstream and be a big deal. I get it, Dave Windorf's in his 60s now, it's not going to happen, but at the same time, Monster Magnet now is much closer to the end than they are the beginning. This was the debut for the Wild Hearts. This was their very first record. And the very first song is called Greetings from Shitsville. <laughs> I mean, what are you going to do with that? How do you start off your record with Greetings from Shitsville? Well, as you can probably tell, it's about being from London's version of Skid Row. The first line is, the paper's hanging off the walls. There's roaches dancing in the halls. And that's a neat little thing because if you look at this album cover, it's a picture of Ginger seemingly tied up. He's got duct tape on him. He's got barbed wire there, some bandages, I think. And also what looks like maybe not an American cockroach, but some sort of roach that was put on his face. I've read an article about it in the past, and that's what it was. So starting off with a song about roaches dancing in the halls and you're Terrible London flat, I guess, makes sense. But this first track really does set the tone for the whole record, for the whole band, really. This is going to be not glam rock. This is not guys who are posing about how great their life is. This is not a band with aspirations of being on MTV's Cribs later in life. I don't think Cribs probably existed in 1993, but this is a jab of punk rock, souped up energy that's blast you in your ears and sets the stage for what's to come. The second song is called TV Tan, and yeah, it's basically what it sounds like. It's about a guy watching a lot of TV. Remember, this is 1993. This is before cell phones and the internet and social media. It's about a guy who's watching a ton of TV and, I guess, getting some color from the TV light. You do hear a little of that Beatles influence here, because the Wild Hearts are kind of everything. I mean, well, I take that back. There's no crooning here. There's no great ballads here. But you do hear the Beatles in the Wild Heart Soup in this song. It's not fair to say the Beatles were the first to do this, but certainly they popularized in some ways the idea of making music out of nonsense words or non-words. The most famous example that rushes to mind is Oobladi, Oobladi, but the Wild Hearts are doing that too in this song, saying, Soft So K.O., Soft So K.O., it's not words, but if you read it, it sounds like nonsense. And people have criticized rock, including the Beatles, for years for doing that sort of thing. People who didn't understand it. But you can make music out of nothing. You can make lyrics that are stupid or meaningless actually sound great. And this is another example of that. There's also some really pretty harmonies with the Wild Hearts in TV Tan. It's a good tune. The third song off the album is Everlone. It's a song about loneliness. And this one is probably one of the best tracks on there, but it's the Wild Hearts shifting a little bit. Once they get done with the lyrics, they decide, well, we've sung our lyrics about this loneliness aspect. Now let's just go straight Megadeth and rock out and jam out. The fourth song, Shame On Me, is almost the exact same thing. I mean, it doesn't sound like Everlone, but again, they start growling like Metallica once they're through with the lyrics. This is music that isn't consistent. It's not... Play a riff, play a riff, play a riff, then have a solo, then get back to the riff. 
Don't get me wrong. I love that kind of music, but that's not what the Wild Hearts are. It's not progressive or anything, but it is shifting in styles and tempos and bouncing all over the place like a frenetic, maybe drugged up kind of band would sound. The fifth song in the album is called Love Shit. And it's the highlight to me. It's obviously an anti-love song. I wouldn't say it's breaking new grounds lyrically or anything, but it is the type of thing that people would dump a ton of plaudits on Taylor Swift for uh, a, a few years back. It's just another catchy song. It's probably the catchiest song on the record, and yet it's also got a four-letter word in the title. I mean, if I was this band's management or worked at the record label or whatever, I would be pulling my hair out because Greetings from Shitsville is a really good song, but you can't play that on the radio in the 1990s. And now they're coming out with Love Shit, and it's even better. And again, you can't do anything with that either. Lyrically, this is the kind of song you would almost expect Alice Cooper to come up with. It takes the idea of a love song and turns it on its head. Uh, There's a lyric in there. It's a popular myth that we've grown up with since the age of man's desire. Anti-love. Can't be in love. Love's not working out for me. That's the idea. And again, in true Wild Heart style, it's totally self-defeating with the title of the song. You can't make anything of it. But if you were going to go check out a Wild Heart song after listening to my podcast, put on Love Shit first. The sixth song is Miles Away Girl. Killer guitar solo in this one. It's a real mixture of styles going back and forth. You almost, in the last verse, it almost kind of sounds like a beach music in a way, or at least beachy music. It's a good tune. Miles Away Girl, though, leads into the seventh song on the album called My Baby is a Head Fuck. (laughs) I I mean, what are you going to say with these guys? Look, you don't probably need me to tell you lyrically what this song is going to be about. It features the lyric... uh, Because she's the kind of girl who'll take your heart and leaving you worse than you did at the start. Again, this is one of the catchiest songs on the record. And there's all that profanity in it that would keep it from ever being played on the radio or MTV or anything of that nature. You do hear some more of that Beatles influence, this time in a very literal, obvious way. The, uh, The Wild Hearts sample Day Tripper on this tune. But more importantly, again as I mentioned earlier... There's a beautiful, hard, wondrous solo by Mick Ronson on this. You can look this up on YouTube. You can just do a search for Mick Ronson Studio, Wild Hearts, that sort of thing. It should come up pretty quickly. When I looked at it most recently, there were actually less than 10,000 views on it. And the video had been up for at least three years, I think. That seems almost criminal to me. but Well, if not criminal, it's at least crazy. But you can see genius at work, really. Ronson tears it up, and it's funny to watch, and especially when you know about the history of it. Of course, it's his last one, but the Wild Hearts have gone on to say that really they got what they needed almost immediately. Like within just a few seconds, Ronson plugged in and nailed it, but they made him keep playing and working on it a little bit more just because they enjoyed watching him and listening to him and just wanted to fan out to him, really. So you got to check out this track. All right, look, there's four more songs on the album. You may find a version that's got more than that, but there's four more songs. I like almost all of them. There's really not a duff or bad song on this record. The next song is called Sucker Punch. It's a total masculine love song with a killer bass line. The song after that is one of the best on the record, too. It's called News of the World. 
it's very punk in attitude, kind of anti-everything, including the media who pushes all the bad news and all that sort of stuff. It's, it's punk meets thrash musically uh, with a pop sensibility that makes it a little easier on the ears than you might expect from the way that I described it. The next song is probably my least favorite on the record. It's called Drinking About Life. It sounds half done. It's raw. But hey, that's punk, right? Seems like it was written in 10 minutes or so. But that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's maybe not what I enjoy the most. But I get where it comes from. I get the attitude and energy from which that song came. The final track is called Love You Till I Don't. And it's a bizarre blow-up of styles and a mix of genres that really could have been the very first song on the record because it represents what the Wild Hearts are about just as well as any of the other songs. Yet, it's a little poppy at times. They also mix in a little reggae. And then there's some rat-a-tat drums that come straight out of like a, a real hard metal album. It's really a fitting way to wrap up this bizarre minor masterpiece that is Earth vs. the Wild Hearts. I don't know that I've done a good job explaining exactly what makes this record work or even how it sounds. It, yeah, it's, it's about 50% punk rock, 25% pop, and 25% thrash. And I know I've reached 100 there, but then there's a few other little things like I talked about, reggae here, beach there, that are kind of mixed in, some Beatles harmonies and stuff to, to come to this whole of what really was an alternative sounding music in 1993. Alternative became the rave. I mean, that became the genre in the early 1990s, and grunge, I guess, was a part of that. But this really is a change from anything that anyone was doing up until that point. This really was a new style of music that the Wild Hearts were kind of putting together. Sure, there had been punk before, but it didn't necessarily sound like this. This was different and unique. One of the notes I wrote down was that and you know, in preparing for the episode, was that maybe if you took Guns N' Roses and you made Duff McKagan 85% of the band and his voice and his sensibilities and what his influences and background were, still kept the Slash and the Axel and Izzy and all that too, but really made Duff the centerpiece of Guns N' Roses, maybe that sort of would come to close to being what the Wild Hearts sounded like. Frankly, though, I wish it had been bands like the Wild Hearts that had come to replace bands like Guns N' Roses instead of grunge. I never liked grunge. I still don't. Nirvana never did anything for me, and I liked Soundgarden okay, and I liked Alice in Chains, but they were never as interesting or intriguing or as cool to me as Black Sabbath was. Rather than those dirges about heroin, I'd rather have Ozzy and Friends playing about evil women or super knots and Iron Men and... Anyway, the Wild Hearts have soldiered on and continued to release albums off and on ever since. Maybe they never got as big as those 90s Seattle bands, but their debut, Earth vs. the Wild Hearts, is this absurd, profane, relatable mix of pop, thrash, and punk that was really pretty cool. The music here was real. It wasn't manufactured to sound like Van Halen and Kiss any more than it was not manufactured to sound like Nirvana. It's real, and it's meant to be played in clubs. Now, maybe saying that, that it's real, not manufactured, and meant to be played in clubs, makes it obvious that it wasn't ever meant to take over the world. But maybe it should have. All right, everybody, that's this episode of Well Disguised. Thank you for listening. As usual, if you win mine, whatever your player of choice is, I understand it doesn't really matter maybe so much if it's Apple iTunes, but 
anywhere you listen to podcasts, if you wouldn't mind, of course, subscribing and also leaving a review or a five-star rating or whatever. I would really appreciate it. See, this is maybe one of the things I need to work on. Instead of me saying this every time off the top of my head, not scripted, maybe I could pay a few bucks to get some voice actor to record it, and then I could just drop it in here, and it would sound the same every time, and it'd sound a lot better than me asking for these things. I don't know. See, these are the back-end things I need to think about and why I may take a break, but I may not. I'll probably take a break somewhat soon, but anyway, I'll see you soon, whether it's in two weeks or a little bit later. Thanks for listening. Be careful out there.